You're listening to Graphic Novel Explorers Club Podcast, an audio book club. Greetings, explorers. I'm one of your hosts, Aubrey, joined by... Dennis. And... Johnny. Today we are discussing Doctor Strange, The Oath, by writer Brian K. Vaughn and artist Marcos Martin. We hope you have read today's title because all three of us have read the book, so beware, spoilers ahead. Become an official explorer by joining our Patreon group. Explorers get early access to episodes, specials, polls, discussions, and other extras. Graphic Novel Explorers Club is available wherever fine podcasts are found, including YouTube, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review. That's right, Explorers. We're here today looking at Doctor Strange, The Oath, by writer Brian K. Vaughn, artist Marcos Martin, inks by Alvaro Lopez, color by Javier Rodriguez, and letterer Willie Schubert. Our uh, main characters in this story are Dr. Stephen Strange, the Brigand. Is that an established character or is that a new character just to this comic? He's a terrible character. Spoilers. That was just new to this comic. (laughs) Oh, okay. Wong, his... I didn't realize this in the comic. He's more uh, Strange's sidekick, servant. Servant. He's like Alfred or Jarvis. So he's he's much more, yeah, of a, a secondary character, which I'll get into a little bit. One, I never really got into Doctor Strange very much just because he wasn't a very popular character when I was growing up. Two, when I was growing up, unlike modern times, there were no comics generally available unless you bought them. So I wasn't going to waste my time on a Doctor Strange kind of character. He usually showed up in maybe like a Spider-Man comic or, or some what if that I was reading, but I never really actually invested any money into him. And two... I also hated him because of the long character, because I really hate the whole master and servant thing, because it, it gets really, like, weird. He's very subservient to Oh, him. yeah. I, and it's just, it seemed yeah. like a stereotype that should have died a long time ago, and yeah, I just, I, I'm glad the MCU definitely reworked Wong into more of a- His equal. His, his equal. And uh, mentor. Exactly. As opposed to this, which is just like, oh, how can I help you? He was like, what's his name from Indiana Jones? A short round? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was like, hey, you know, like, how can I help you, Doctor Strange? And I was like, oh, my God. It was just, like, it was painful for me to read this comic, actually, because it brought back why I really hated this character, to be honest. The other character is the Night Nurse. I don't know the character's real name. She doesn't need a name. She's a woman. (laughs) (laughs) She actually, yeah, it was actually weird they didn't mention her name. She, there, because there's two different characters who have, her name, Alinda uh, Carter, which was the OG one. From Wonder Woman? No. <laughs> it wasn't the actress, but that's her the, the character's name. <laughs> and then Christine Palmer. So they reworked the Christine Palmer in the MCU to be a surgeon that was a co-worker oh, of- girlfriend? Yeah, exactly. But the original character was Linda Carter, and this was during the time period where Stanley had the idea of marketing comics specifically towards women- this one was marketed towards gals who were reading Nancy Drew. He thought that maybe someone who was a nurse, I guess, would be interesting to them. This was like in the 70s. It was a short-lived comic. But it was kind of interesting that you know Marvel was trying to do something that wasn't necessarily the status quo, per se. There was another comic in this line of geared towards women. That's something, the She-Devil, I forget. But uh, yeah, this was a, uh, an old-school character that they revived back in the early 2000s, actually right around this time period. And later on, yeah, obviously the MCU used her. If you watch any of the Netflix Marvel shows, they actually kind of 
reworked the character as well. And Rosario Dawson basically played a version of the night nurse who took care of Daredevil himself. Did they change the name because Night Nurse has got to be probably the, I think it's the worst superhero name ever, right? <laughs> I don't is know. Is there a worse one? I don't know if it's the worst, but it is pretty kind of boring. <laughs> well, all it makes me think of is Wet Nurse, and that's not really <laughs> why, why was what this thinking? It's, it's just a profession name. That's like saying I'm fireman or I'm. But it's, it's also. <laughs> a nurse at night. It's also very dismissive because she says in this. I'm actually a doctor, but people just insist on calling me night nurse. Right. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> She's not even a nurse. <laughs> She's a full-fledged doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's Dr. Nicodemus West, who, spoiler, as soon as I heard that name and I saw his eyes, because he has, <laughs> uh, what is that, a uh, segmental- Heterochromia? Heterochromia. Yeah. I was like, this is the bad guy. And then uh, Reginald Pavlish, who is an ill man that the younger, before he becomes- the Doctor Strange, when he's just a Doctor Strange, refuses to treat. Our story is Doctor Strange assistant Wong is ill with terminal care or t- terminal care. Our story is <laughs> I love you too much. <laughs> I want to hug him, hug him, and pet him and squeeze him. Uh, our story is Doctor Strange's assistant Wong is ill with terminal cancer, not terminal care. Doctor Strange goes into a pocket universe to retrieve a serum that will cure. Wong's cancer. However, the potion is stole, stolen by the brigand who uses Hitler's suicide gun. Yes, you heard that the right. Silver bullets. Hitler's suicide gun to <laughs> and shoot I, strange. I do like that, that, that Nicodemus <laughs> calls him out. He's like, he's not a werewolf. <laughs> I was like, what does silver bullets have to do with anything? But yeah. Oh, because they have magic. Silver has magical properties. Oh, it's like significant in magic. And that was <laughs> the other thing. They were like, you have to use a gun that was so right. evil. I was like, well, was it really because it killed Hitler? So wouldn't it have been a good gun? Well, it's it's not it's not evil. It a gun that has like a char- is charged with emotions that has like a lot of <laughs> emotional energy surrounding it because it's like emotions magic. Oh, I see. So <laughs> while uh, he's recovering, Strange Wong and Do- and Doctor Night Nurse track down the potion and who hired Brigand to steal the potion. As Dennis said earlier, there's some racism in this book, also some homophobic writing. And um, and it's an okay story at best. Wait, what was homophobic? <laughs> there was a part where um, when those guys break in, when when uh, Wong and and Strange are at that restaurant or whatever, he's retrieving something. Someone says something. There's well, they say a racist remark in there, and then later someone calls his gloves fruity. There's another comment that. Somebody says, I don't know. I'm just like, nah. Hmm. Or maybe homophobic slurs flew, thrown in there. Oh, I didn't pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, neither did I, but I'll have to reread it again. <laughs> I, you know, the, I will not be rereading the, this. This comic actually brings up a lot of problems I have with the comic universe. And I've discussed this before on previous episodes, but it opens up with the Night Nurse's clinic and Spider Girl and Iron Fist are wait in the waiting room. And it turns out, that she sees a lot of superheroes, which, you know, to me always brings up the issue of, well, how do they pay for this? Or how does she pay for her clinic? And why doesn't someone like Tony Stark or anyone else like help these people out? Why does this, you know, one person have to run this rundown single staffed clinic when there's a ton of millionaires and the Avengers and they could like have all sorts of, you know, the X mansion. (laughs) 
oh, uh, Doctor Strange at one point says, like, do you take superhero? It's like superhero insurance. He he references some group like so and so's HMO. If not, I'll, I'll, I could pay my copayment. Which sucks that even in the fictional superhero universe, you still have to worry about quality of care and how much you can pay for and everything like that. <laughs> That's how insidious capitalism is. It, it bleeds over even into our fiction. I thought the art was pretty bad. I'd be really upfront about that. But I thought the story was kind of okay until the whole, I was like, all right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm suspending my disbelief here for this until strange is treating this or this sick man, Reginald Pavlish wants strange to treat him. And he won't for whatever reason, because he doesn't have enough money or doesn't have the right insurance, something like that. So he dismisses him. Then Strange gets into it. Is this like a retelling of his origin story or is this just like a little thing thrown in there to add to it? You mean the the Pavlish character? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's new to this book, but... Uh, and I, the, stra the Strange lore. Right. But like I said, I, I, I'm not super well-versed, but I'm pretty sure this is new to it. But I, yeah, I didn't like the character... I think Doctor Strange turned him down only because he felt there was no hope. So I think... Well, and also he didn't have enough money. He said that specifically. He's like, I have richer people I can treat, like the head of Exxon or something like that. And then he said, your, and your insurance doesn't cover this, whatever, something to that effect. Which obviously makes Strange look bad. But then I didn't like how they turned Reginald into like this villain <laughs> where he actually somehow witnesses the fact that Doctor Strange no longer has the use of his hands post the accident, the accident that uh, West had operated on. And you see an a, a image of, of Reginald having, uh, what's the German word again? Schadenfreude. That's, Schad I, Schadenfreude. And I, I, was would like, say he's, I would say he's evil as he's just really into Strange getting his comeuppance. Yeah, but it turns him into like... He doesn't, do any, he doesn't do anything to like affect Strange in any negative way. He's just like always gleefully sitting there on the sidelines when schadenfreude happens. I guess he just seemed really like when he was talking to West in the garage, I just, it just, why did you have to do it? Why did you have to make that guy, the cancer patient seem so gleeful at Dr. Strange's? He was bitter. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I was like, okay, whatever with the story. I'm like, that's, it's, it's serviceable until, Nicodemus West, who was the one who treated Strange after his car accident. And I guess that was the character in the MCU movie. Same character treated Strange's hands. This Dr. Nicodemus West follows Strange after he goes on his walkabout to find the Ancient One. Uh, and he follows him to the farthest reaches of the, the planet because he wants to talk Dr. Strange back into helping others. I was like, what? Don't you have patients to treat? Don't you have your <laughs> own life? to live and then he goes to study under the ancient one learns just enough he's like oh this is good enough i learned enough to become a magician pra practitioner and then he goes to treat reginald pavlish and then makes him explode and i was just like this this fucking story is dumb <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean it, it was interesting that he was basically the the farm team for the ancient one so that he was a backup in case dr strange didn't work out and he ended up washing out of sorcery school he he dropped out but he used what little he knew to try to heal patients and then obviously he didn't know enough to He's properly treat the cancer school dropout. 
And then yeah, and then, and then he gets approached by timely pharmaceuticals, and so you get big pharma involved, where they're afraid that magic is going to basically be the cure and they'll be out of a business. And I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they followed him while he was following Doctor Strange. That's the one of the, someone in the story says that. I was like, why would... So are they not worried about Tony Stark or Dr. Pym or any of those other, or Mr. Fantastic finding out a cure to any of these and putting them out of business? I just, why did they care about magic so much? <laughs> what did you think, Aubrey, so far? Oh, so I had the exact opposite reaction that you guys had <laughs> to everything except for the racism. I really, really liked the story and the characters, except it was majorly drawn down by the racism with the Wong character and the relationship with the night nurse and just the way she was treated, like the way that she didn't have a name and that she just automatically falls into being this like sex or love interest which honestly didn't bother me too much because I didn't feel like they objectified her either sexually or romantically. Like she had interesting lines, like she had dialogue, she held her own, she fights back and stuff like that. So that part wasn't done too poorly, but it is very tired and drawn out that every time a woman shows up, the main man character like has to end up with her. Like a woman can't just be in the story. So that's a really tired a tired thing, but I also expect it from comics, so it didn't bother me that much. Other than, like I said, she should have like been given a name and just... This was written in the early 2000s, so by that point, for sure, people know better. You expect that kind of storyline from the 60s, but <laughs> at that point, especially Brian K. Vaughn, because he's got a bunch of stuff under his belt oh, that yeah. is a lot better. But yeah, no, I thought I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a lot of fun. Everything you guys... I'll just... Play back everything Dennis and Johnny just said, and then when they were like, I hated that, just <laughs> with my voice, I'll say, I, and I loved that. <laughs> I thought the Hitler gun was really funny, the emotions, like, it was just like an emotionally charged gun. Maybe I should not have taken it too seriously, because having a Hitler gun ma managed to magically penetrate Doctor Strange's shield, I mean, maybe that should tell you the tone of the story. Overall, it's hilarious. <laughs> and Strange turned around and used it later to right. kill yeah. a, a demon, a fire demon, or right. a demon that could light buildings on fire. Oh well, I felt like the the tone of the book was set in the opening scene, which I really liked. Like from the from the first page, I was immediately like, "Oh, I like this because I like this tone." Because it opens, like you said, with Spider Girl and Iron Fist chatting in a waiting room, and it's just very casual. It just kind of dry and I don't know, goofy, not. Not cool and flashy. <laughs> I, I will say I do like that aspect of the Marvel Universe when they show it. There was a, a limited edition comic series, which they've kind of actually mentioned in the MCU, which was called Damage Control. And it was a company that was set up purely to clean up after a superhero fight. So that was their whole thing was like, you know, once the buildings are all wrecked and Thor leaves, someone has to like clean up the concrete and everything like that. And that was their mundane task. There was no real fancy stuff about them. And I always liked that. So I do like, and I agree, Aubrey, that the, the banter between uh, Spider-Girl and Iron Fist, and just they're just like ha hanging casually in, in the waiting room. The only thing it needed was like a McCall's magazine for them to flip through. But I, I enjoyed <laughs> that quite a bit. Yeah, right. Or Reader's <laughs> Digest. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I did like that part. I just, I don't know. I just feel like, this this big evil pharmaceutical company it just seemed too preposterous 
preposterous. What do you mean? Big Pharma really is evil. Well, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Anyway, I'd like to thank our uh, sponsor. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we should have told you, Aubrey. Uh, we're now sponsored by uh, Pfizer and uh, Johnson & Johnson. Oh, God. Family uh, company. The uh, Well, it's not really a MacGuffin because they actually happen upon it. But this, this serum that can cure Wong of his terminal cancer, also, they come to find out, can cure all disease, all sickness, all illness for everyone on the planet. And the some of the arguments against it are, well, and, and that was the other thing. I was like, is this is this this chairman board made up of magicians? Because they all seem to know things that like normal human beings wouldn't know. Uh, like about this goo. Oh yeah. They were they were for sure like evil. I, I thought that they were like underworld overlords or something. They well, they call them overlords. I had a big problem with the choice that Stephen Strange actually ends up making. So it's it's the trolley argument, right? Which one? Which where, which direction are you going to turn your trolley and and hurt the less uh, least amount of people? In, in your opinion, they're both bad choices, but you know the lesser of two evils. And I I was thinking, really, you picked your your servant. Your occult servant, as he's known, and then you're not going to save the rest of the world. I would, I would have been horrified if I was Wong. Like you could have cured all diseases, not just cancer, but all diseases, all sorts of things that affect people, Alzheimer's, all sorts of things. And you chose one person, and they're all patting themselves on the back and like, yeah, I made the choice for whatever love. I don't know when it was, but I, I was just pissed off because I wouldn't have made that choice. I would have made the other choice to to help a ton more people as opposed to one guy. So I don't know. Yeah, spoilers, this is also what happens at the end of the video game The Last of Us. And yeah. I think it's a great story, like The Last of Us that happens. I don't approve of what Joel, the character, does, but I love the story being told because that really is the kind of stupid, selfish choice that people really do make, especially men. And what he <laughs> does... What he does in that situation with a with a little girl, because he's saving, he's choosing to save a little girl instead of humanity. After he'd already lost his daughter, so right. he doesn't want to lose yeah. his surrogate daughter. Is he's taking away her agency for his own feelings, which is also what Doctor Strange is doing with Wong, which makes sense because he's his servant, right. so he doesn't get the agency. Like the whole time, he's been saying, "Like, just let me die." Right? Seriously, <laughs> I just want yeah. to die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'm starting to like the story a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't like the choice that he made, but I think it's a compelling story right. and it's something that people really would do. I guess I should clarify, I didn't hate the story. I hated the choices that Doctor Strange made. But honestly, I hate Doctor Strange in general. I, it's no secret that uh, I've said before in the podcast that, you know, surgeons, as brilliant as they are, they don't have good bedside manner and they're not necessarily personable people. And I feel oh, this is tricks. A, right. So I feel Dr. S it's not just surgeons. <laughs> well, Dr. Sir, Dr. Strange is written in such a way that that that's how a surgeon with magical powers probably would be like, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's true to the character. I just hate the character. <laughs> yeah. But I think that isn't that an interesting thing about him because he's written as an asshole. He's there's no redemption for him. He just continues to be an asshole, but also has magic. Right. And I think that's sort of interesting because most superheroes and characters in these kinds of books are supposed to be likable and you're supposed to kind of cheer for them. But with him, it's just kind of like, well, he happens to be 
working on the good side, but sometimes he's working kind of, he's kind of in their way and he's just such a dick. Right. No, he's definitely the polar opposite of, let's say, Peter Parker. Like Peter Parker is the most personal yeah. guy ever. I would not want to hang out with Doctor Strange. I wouldn't want him <laughs> to be part of the Avengers. Just stay on your own and yeah. get away from me. <laughs> Of the of the two magical doctors in fiction, I prefer Doctor Byron Orpheus from Venture Brothers more than <laughs> Doctor Stephen Strange from the MCU or the Marvel Universe. Oh, for sure, Doctor Orpheus is top tier, and not as much of a dick. I should note, no, he's actually uh, very personable. All right, so okay, I guess I really liked it. Then Dennis, I kind of liked it. <laughs> All right, I guess that's it. <laughs> oh, and I should I should I should also point out that uh, I I mentioned this at the beginning cuz you asked me about it, but as far as I know, Brigand has never appeared again in the Marvel universe, which is good cuz he's a terrible villain. He's like super generic. His only shtick is I own the Hitler gun. Big deal. <laughs> and he I, stole a bunch of Stark robots. Oh yeah, that's right. He's he, he's such a good thief that he's managed to steal robots over time uh from Tony Stark. And has apparently a pocket dimension, which is like, he's like both boring and super cool at the same time, I guess. I don't know. I hate him. He's never showed up again as far as I know. And he knew how to like already, he was like mentally trained right. to deal with Doctor Strange in his mind and or his dream landscape. And No, I thought that his, the person who sent him put those barriers yeah. in oh, his brain. Is that what it was? Yeah, he put, he okay. put a yeah. barrier exactly. But- all that money, and he can't afford a good tailor to get a cool, cool costume. I mean, he looks like he works like at a mechanic <laughs> shop. <laughs> he's the most boring looking villain ever. Hey, he's a, you know he's just a blue collar guy trying to get into the into the super bad guy game. Man, you got to start off somewhere. It's it's not like Doctor Doom where he was born in. He you know he inherited all of his riches from what's what's the country that Doctor Doom is from? Latvia. Doomenstein. That's Latvia. I think it's life, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is what happens when you get a supervillain from TaskRabbit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> from Angie's list? Yeah. Yeah, I would love to rewrite Brigand after Doctor Strange traps him in his own mind. I would love to like write the psychological horror show <laughs> graphic novel of where he comes, like someone somehow frees him from there and he's completely changed and he gets a cool costume. I like it. Is he a good guy after that or <laughs> still a bad guy? I would imagine getting trapped in your own mind would make you extremely evil. I see. Then he wouldn't need Hitler's gun. He would just need anything he touches because it's so charged with emotion. <laughs> and we need some yeah. backstory on how he got that gun. He's just like, oh, I got it. <laughs> if I was starting to share that, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've got Hitler's gun? That's it. We're going to do a whole mini series of just the auction where he goes and bids on Hitler's gun. <laughs> the eBay auction. <laughs> um, I also like that Brigand stole, it must have been some of the really decrepit Stark robots or the ones that didn't make it past QA because Wong was able to just like punch through them and rip things out. And I was like, oh, that what are they made out of aluminum foil? Wait, you're not giving Wong enough credit. Yeah. He doesn't have any superpowers. He's yeah, just, but he's, he's a martial artist. He's, yeah. He knows all the weak points. They can cut trees yeah. in half. Have hand. you not seen any kung fu or karate films? <laughs> yeah, but the I mean that's they didn't show that before prior. <laughs> they didn't establish that in the story that Wong could punch through things. Oh, and I do want to touch point on one thing that Aubrey had brought up about how this, you know, came out in the early 2000s and they should know better. 
really, you know, it used to be where you could lean on, okay, that was a different time period. But man, any even anything in the 90s, honestly, sometimes I'm shocked at some of the casual racism and sexism that happens during that time period. And I mean, I, I grew up uh, as a, a, a young adult in the 90s. And I remember, you know, being a lot more, you know, socially conscious about things. I just don't know what happened. Maybe the writer's room was just very different at that time period. But I'm honestly surprised by sometimes some of the context and, and some of the dialogue in some of these comics, even in the 80s. I mean, they were aware of what racism was. You can't go, oh, what was racism in the 80s? Like, this isn't the 60s. Like, if it was in the 60s, that would be one thing. But anything 80s and later, I'm always surprised by some of the misogyny and sexism and racism that pops up. Yeah, well, those spaces were still, creator spaces were still dominated by primarily white men. And then it was usually white men who were of a certain type because it was definitely about who you know and that's how you get to be successful. Yeah. I think that's been the bigger thing that has changed lately is it isn't really that there's less racist people. It's that more people of color and more people with different perspectives are actually able to create and have their creations distributed. That's a great point. And honestly, what I forget is just what you were saying, these creators, not only were they white, but they were of a certain age. So yeah, it was the 80s or 90s, but guess what? These creators were much older than that. And so they grew up- Yeah, they were probably in, born in the 40s and 50s. Right. So they still had a lot of that baggage coming along where you know nowadays you have young creators who obviously grew up with, with a better you know social compass and are just younger. you know, And so they're able to tell these stories that these old guys weren't able to. So that's a great point, Aubrey. All right. Well, uh, Aubrey, if people want to follow you and your personal podcast, where can they do that? Uh, you can follow me personally at Mixed Majesty on Instagram and Twitter, or you can follow my podcast personally <laughs> at Bring Popcorn Pod on Twitter or at Bring Your Own Popcorn on Instagram. Awesome. Where can uh, folks follow this podcast, Dennis? On Instagram and Twitter at GN Explorers Club. Cool. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back in one week with a new This Week in Geek. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, see you in a week. Bye! Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that means good. <laughs> That's the starter. Nice. Was that the was that the starting horn? Yeah, that was the starting <laughs> horn. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All not really doing that. <laughs> and there goes all our listeners. No, that'll get us more. <laughs> I'm going to tell your girlfriend to take that away from me. <laughs> she already did, because I would take it up. I'd take it in a box with us. <laughs> All right. Donnie. <laughs> <laughs>